What's up, Dynasty Command Center Nation? The Commander is back. You missed me last week, I'm sure. But Travis May and TJ Calkins did a great job holding down the fort. We invited TJ back today for episode 48. We're going to talk about Superflex Dynasty startup strategies with an intense focus on how to handle the quarterback position. Uh, there, there are some tiers that you need to be aware of. Uh, you got to know how early in drafts makes sense to start pulling the trigger on these guys. And then we're also going to, this is super rare. I don't, I don't know that we've ever really done this, but we kind of did a makeshift mailbag segment at the end because, you know, all of us get a lot of super flex, uh, questions on the Twitter sphere and in DMS. And we just wanted to give something back to you, the listeners, the people, some answers to the specifics of your league. And and we did that in spades. Uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. All right, let's dig into it. We've got Travis May and TJ Calkins back. Uh, I, all three of us are in Dynasty Startups right now. I know TJ and I have actually done two together already this year. Travis is doing some crazy... Travis is probably the craziest dynasty, like weird settings player that I know. He's doing this. He does these college to Canton drafts where you actually play simultaneous college football league with an NFL league. And then as a player gets drafted, he goes over to your other roster. So you want to talk about real dynasties. I mean, it's it's like, I mean, that's just insane. You could have a guy producing for you from age 18 to 35. I mean, like... I definitely know people who have had relationships with real people for shorter amounts of time than Travis <laughs> probably has with his with his dynasty players. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for coming on the show to, uh, today, guys. This is going to be absolutely fire. Uh, this first segment that I want to hit uh, is brought to you by Bet Online, and we're going to call this our value spot. So, the question I'm going to pose is: in round one and round two. Where is the value there? If I, Travis, if I told you this was a typical snake draft, dynasty startup, what draft slot would you pick and why? For me, the, the answer is always going to be, man, if I can pick a slot, it's got to be the 1.01. And that sounds like a lazy answer, but it's just where, where the value is going to be. One, because even if you can't trade that and, and get a package or something, you can always take just your preferred player. Uh, for me, I'm never going to be the guy that, that goes uh, 1.01 quarterback necessarily, uh, unless it's something crazy deep like 16 team super flex or something like that. Um, but like in a normal 12 team or something like that, I'm, I'm still going to go uh, with a different skill position than uh, the quarterback just because I know if I have that, that uh, pick 1.01, the value of the turn, especially the quarterback position, even if there's a crazy run, is still going to be there. Uh, when I come back in rounds two and three, whereas depending on the, the you know the crew that I'm playing with, you know the quarterbacks could go much later. So you you got to really know your draft to know where you can get the quarterbacks. But unless you know everybody, it's always going to be best to go first, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, you actually dropped a good strategic nugget in there too. Like if if you're going into a blind league, like let's say we're doing an FFPC startup and yeah. you have no clue who you're playing with. I think that game of chicken with quarterbacks is so much more dangerous. And we kind of see that actually play out in the Rotoviz Dynasty tools. So I'm, I'm looking at uh, the FFPC ADP right now. So Travis says he wants the 101. Patrick Mahomes is the 101. 
even an FFPC right now. And yeah. his ADP is at, at 1.3. I mean, he hasn't gone. There's been nine uh, recorded dynasty startups uh, in this format on FFPC already this season. And Mahomes has gone between pick one and pick three in every single draft. Yeah. And by average, you know, he, he's uh, outpacing Christian McCaffrey there. So um, even in high stakes, people leaning towards a quarterback a little bit. So you say 101 uh, by ADP, Travis, that gives you Miles Sanders at the back end of round two. Um, so yeah, that, that, that would feel like a fire start, but you're saying you'd take McCaffrey. Uh, if you took McCaffrey one Oh one at the end of round two, uh, who would your target be there? Just to kind of give people an idea for how you're starting your draft at the end of round two, uh, most likely, uh, depending on who I'm playing with, uh, I'm actually not even going to take a, a quarterback until like round four or five, even in super flex. That's just, Kind of how I I want to build it. I'll probably take uh, an elite running back in that first slot, and then go wide receiver, wide receiver in many in many cases um, thereafter. Because superflex is probably going to push six quarterbacks into that first two rounds, if not maybe a couple more. Uh, so the the wide receiver value will get pushed down, uh, and you'll probably get to get a solid young wide receiver one, if not two of them. Uh, and then uh, there will be kind of a gap uh, when you where you uh, take the quarterbacks, and then. When you get down to rounds four and five, it gets super, certainly risky, but that's where I typically like to approach the, the quarterback position with a one-two punch because that's the range where a lot of people are kind of reaching for the you know the next big player at the skill positions at running back wide receiver, whereas you, you, you get a really solid player at the end of round four, like maybe Matt Ryan or, I mean, at his age, Aaron Rodgers, or it looks like uh, just according to what we're looking at, even you know a younger player like Jared Goff, if you want to take a risk there, so... Uh, it's just there's a, there's still a lot of value that you can find later, um, even in, in super flexes. Now, I mean, this is within the, the the frame of like twelve team leagues. I mean, I think with fourteen, sixteen teams, there, there's going to be a different dynamic to it. But that's just my approach to a more standard uh, super flex league. All right, yeah, that, yeah, that's great. So, I mean, you're you're willing to wait on the quarterbacks, even if it means you miss out on that that top tier, really, even those top two tiers. Um, and, and I think, I think that's fine. I think all three of us are probably going to have some level of agreement there, but there's always a point where that value yeah. pops in in round two or round three, and then you still might have to pull that trigger. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause I mean, uh, there's a chance that you could get, um, you know, you could get somebody like a, like, it depends on how, how much your league's playing chicken, but let's say that the people are super, you know, worried about Deshaun Watson's value now that nuke's gone and, and Bill O'Brien being a mess and, and then he drops for some reason, you know, in a twelve-team league, or you know, Russell Wilson mm-hmm. drops, or something crazy happens. Obviously, I'd make the, the different decision, but but normally, um, I'm, I'm going to be waiting. Okay, so so I I like that question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this one to you. Then we're gonna move on to TJ. Get his thoughts here. So let's talk about the guys that I, I think the top is really looking like Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Kyler Murray. Those are pretty much like universal first-round picks right now. But let's talk about. You said you want 101, and you're probably not going to take quarterback at the 212. But I'm going to tell you, these three guys are slipping. Would you pick one of them if they slid to 212? Okay. So if you if you had a, a shot at uh, Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, would you change up your strategy there and grab the value at 212, or are you still taking a position player there? Yep, any of those three, actually, I would probably take. Um, I would probably take a, another skill position. I wouldn't go one-two punch with my quarterback there, um, just reaching for what I feel is a, a pretty significant drop 
after that value-wise. But I think uh, any, any of those guys I would probably take for sure. Okay, that's great. All right, let's hop over to TJ. Same question, man. If you can pick your spot in round one, and then obviously you're going to get you know the opposite spot in round two, where would you pick if you had your choice? Uh, if you have a choice, one on one, as Travis said, is the way to go. Uh, I'm a big guy on trade back equity in the first round, and obviously, one on one brings the just loads in a massive amount of it when you have a clear cut top player in McCaffrey, in my opinion. But I think that uh, I shouldn't say clear cut. There's a three player top tier. We discussed Mahomes, McCaffrey's there, and then Saquon is borderline for that tier. The next tier down, generally speaking, has been Lamar Jackson and Michael Thomas, where Saquon is going to go ahead of those guys for the most part, but you could see him kind of slipping into that second second tier to make it a three-player second tier. So either way, as far as choosing a slot, I want the trade-back equity. I'm pretty big on taking the assets that are available for moving back in the first round, uh, sometimes multiple times as... Curtis has seen in the leagues we've done together here, the two startups this year. I've done it in both, and I'm really happy the way the the profit and loss worked out there. Uh, There is a case to be made, though, after, say, 102, 103 for the 112, particularly in third-round reversal situations. Uh, I know Curtis just benefited from that, and I'll let him talk about that a yeah, little before, bit. Yeah, before I, before I do that, I mean, you raise a great point. If you can trade in the startup, and I think most startups allow that flexibility, I, I mean, that's, that's a great additional point to Travis's, uh, to Travis's reasoning for, for the 101. You know, locking in the player value and just taking the 101 is great, and then you can sort it out after the draft. Um, and, and those guys that are at the very tippy top, those are the guys with like the weekly point differential that are, are winning your league for you, uh, provided they stay healthy. But TJ's point is also, I mean, very great because I mean, it's, you're not locked in there. You, you trade back. I got the one Oh six now. And you know, I picked up an extra startup fourth for my startup eighth or something. And I'm just, I'm building that equity. How many top 50 players can I get? You know, that that's like a type of competition I give to myself is wherever that tier is, wherever that value spot is in the draft, how do I accumulate picks in that range to maximize either my starting lineup or what my team could look like a year from now? And I, th- I think rookies being in the startup could change maybe that strategy a little bit too. And I know that's why you've been uh, as aggressive in trading back as you have been, TJ, because accumulating you know current year rookies and 2021 picks, you can really just give yourself the flexibility and upside of having a monster roster really within like 18 months. It's pretty crazy. Um, but let's say that you couldn't trade back. So let's just say, I, I want to know like, who's your ideal pairing of players in that top 24. So if you got to pick a spot and, and you're not going to be able to find a trade partner that there's a guarantee, look, these guys aren't trading. Nobody has relationships yet. It's just not happening. Where would you pick if you knew you couldn't trade out? Oh, it's definitely one one And that's just based on wanting McCaffrey and in any and every spot I can get him. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're all in agreement there and where I, where, where I want to veer, where I want to veer is this third round reversal thing. And so for those of you who haven't been in a startup that uses a third round reversal that, I mean, it, it is, it is, you know, it, it's there in the definition, but like, let's say you're drafting at, at one you're going to have one twelve, two Oh one, but then you get three Oh one. So you're going to get three top 25 picks. And I think that's where you have to start thinking differently 
uh, about those values. And and to me, I think it's it's even almost a coin flip between the 101 and the 112 in a third round reversal format. You may still give that tiny nod to the 101 because of what you could do even moving a player like McCaffrey during the season if if he starts out, you know, gangbusters again. But three top twenty five picks is uh is insane. And and I was able to to play this in a way um uh, with a little bit of a unique roster construction, but in a way that that I want to illustrate for you guys. So uh in the in the industry startup that TJ and I are doing, I mean this this draft's loaded. I mean it's it, TJ and Scott Barrett are uh, they're sharing a team. So good luck, uh, with that. I mean, that's, that's a brutal pairing to compete against. Uh, but we've got Evan Silva, we've got establisher runs, uh, new dynasty guy, uh, Pat Crane in there, Ben Gretsch from CBS. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just rich rebar, of course, from sharp football. Um, I mean, it's just an absolutely loaded draft. And from one twelve. uh, in this third round reversal format, I double tapped wide receiver to start. So I went Tyreek Hill, and Chris Godwin. And then I'm going to be on the clock again at 301, right? So I actually had a chance to trade for DeAndre Hopkins during the second round. So now, so now I'm sitting at Tyree Kill, Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins. And then at 301, Travis, the reason I asked you this question, who would you know, would you take one of those QBs earlier than planned if they if they slid? I grabbed Dak Prescott at 301. Hmm. So we're 20, we're 25 selections into this startup. And I'm sitting on three top five wide receivers and a quarterback. Now, I wouldn't have thought I would probably construct a team like that and and completely veer away from the running backs. But when you can do that and lock in the year-over-year production consistency and value consistency of an elite wide receiver, you know, uh, their, their prime lasts a little longer than these backs. They have value. There's more opportunities to trade them before they have, you know, a, a zero value or going to rot on your roster. So I, it just really played the way that I really probably couldn't have drawn up a scenario where that was my team 25 picks in, but I really couldn't be happier. And so I think with with a third-round reversal, going at the end of the draft is something that you should definitely consider um, You know, when you're talking about three top 25 assets. In that setting, Travis, are you still taking the 101, or do you consider going later? In the third-round reversal – just so I mean, even I, that's something so foreign to a lot of people. But so basically, you had like pick twelve, pick thirteen, pick twenty-five. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So in, in that spot, I I think it would change things quite a bit, just because um, you learn a lot about your league mates just with their first pick. If you have that twelve slot, uh, you see a lot, and so that can tell you really about what they're probably going to pick, just because people like to fill in even roster spots and things like that. Um, uh, and, and even like how they value the running back position, how they value the quarterback position, but you know, you're still going to get great value at the end of the first. So yeah, I think with, with a third round reversal, I like that one, two punch and then ending, ending up with uh next best uh, at the, the 25. Cause really when you have the 1.01, the 24, and then you got to wait till the end of round three, uh, that, that pretty much, if you can't trade away, that really does take away the advantage of having, um, most the advantage anyway of having that besides getting you know your guy at the very top with McCaffrey or whatever, but and and Superflex you could probably you know sure thing get a, a top quarterback or if if they value the skill positions more so you could just go one two punch with skill position guys at twelve and thirteen and know you're going to get a solid option in round three. So 
that that is fun. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that just because it, it gets rid of some early trade value uh, in, in many cases. Uh, that it, well, in the cases I've seen. But, uh, yeah, I think that that's the one situation where I would go later in the round. Okay, so one more question on this topic. Then we're going to move into some positional breakdowns. But um, I'm curious what you think, TJ. We'll start with you. So let's just let's just say we don't know draft position. Um, and I know that's tough, but let's just say we don't know draft position. So you're just you're sitting down, you've signed up for this dynasty league, and you're just starting your notes. And you're going to find out your your draft position five minutes before the draft. But positionally, from a, a team structure, do you have a goal for in the first two rounds? I'd like to have you know two, two high end backs. I'd like to have you know, a a balance. I want to take a back and wide receiver. I know I'm not going to take a quarterback under any circumstances. I mean, is there any type of like guiding strategy that uh, you would like to go into a draft with or or want the listeners to consider? I I think if you don't know your draft position and trying to map out a positional, trying to put a specific Mm -hmm. positional map in play is shooting yourself in the foot you are completely ignoring probably a third of the player pool in the first two rounds if you're saying, I have to get these positions. And I think that's such a minus EV play. So definitely be adaptive as always. But yeah, you are not going to uh, pigeonhole yourself here early in a draft. No way. Man, that, that was an A-plus answer to a loaded question, man. I'll see if you're paying attention. But that, that the point I want to illustrate there is, look, this early in the draft, it's it's about value. I mean, get get the guys that present the most dynasty value um, because the season's starting six months from now. If it, if we even have a 2020 season, but it's starting six months from now and we're not concerned about what our starting lineup looks like uh, in round one and two of a dynasty startup. That is for sure. So let's get into the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, obviously, you know, these are the... Uh, the, these are the sexy plays and, and a super flex is why we play this format. It's to, to give the position some value. And, I, you know, we'll just kind of uh, peruse the, the top 20 here. So we're talking about quarterbacks that buy FFPC dynasty startup ADP guys that are going in the top six rounds. So these are going to be guys that this is probably all of your QB ones, about half of your QB twos for those that that like to lock in that second starter early. I'm going to run down the list here. Then I got a couple questions in terms of focusing on on certain types of players at certain parts of their career and, and how that plays into your dynasty team construct. So uh, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, those are the top three guys. Uh, Deshaun Watson also has around one startup ADP uh, by FFPC ADP. So we're talking four quarterbacks, a third of the first round consistently going across nine high stakes dynasty startup drafts. So that that is wild. That's how much these positions get driven up in the format. In round two, we've got Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and Josh Allen. Josh Allen as a, a round two startup pick in this format. Uh, definitely has a wide range of outcomes. He's gone as early as 16 and as late as 31. But the as late as 31 is really interesting to me because he hasn't gone later than the mid-third in a dynasty startup across a nine a nine draft sample. And, and these are the expensive leagues. So um, I, th- I just think it's interesting that we've got people really pushing their chips in on Josh Allen already, QB7 by positional ADP. In round three, we've got Carson Wentz, Joe Burrow, our first rookie, and Baker Mayfield. Round four is Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Daniel Jones, and Jared Goff. And then we get into some of the vets. The, vet- the vets really start in round five. We've got Matt Ryan, 
Aaron Rodgers, uh, Sam Darnold. Round six, we see four more, and then that's where it caps off. We've got Matthew Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Locke, Drew Locke, QB 19, and then Kirk Cousins, Captain Kirk, QB 20. Uh, That that seems like a little bit of a value, but um, let's just, of, of those 20 guys that we named, and I know we're all looking at the ADP here right now, just give me who's the best value in the top six rounds based off of current ADP, Travis. Man, the best value looking at that crew. Um, I mean, I, unless we think, you know, unless we think that, um, you know, Matthew Stafford is completely dead, which, you know, he, he maybe he is. I don't know. But unless we think he's completely dead, um, him going as uh, QB 17 is interesting to me. Um, I think, you know, he's somebody who has put up some kind of crazy raw numbers and really had three solid QB1 seasons in a row um, leading up to, you know, it just an incomplete season last year, you know, kind of a, his first season that he struggled in 2018. Uh, so I, I think in most leagues, I, I know that this is a small sample, you know, looking that we're looking at in terms of startups. I think in trade value, uh, Stafford's going below guys like Garoppolo, going below guys like even Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for me, that might be the best value just because uh, who would I rather take Matthew Stafford or Drew Locke, you know, like all of the guys above him, I, I get the argument, I guess, kind of, but I probably still want to take a chance on, on Stafford. Okay. So I'm looking at the root of his NFL stat explorer, uh, probably the fanciest, most amazing tool, uh, in the fantasy industry. If you just want to see like what a player did last year, I mean, it's got every nugget that you would want. And so Stafford, obviously, he only played eight games, uh, well, seven full games and part of an eighth, right? And yeah. he had five top 12 weeks. Yeah, he was five still, top he was 12 still weeks. there. He was still yeah, there. last he's, year. He's not dead. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he had 45.8 fantasy points over expectation in half a season. I mean, it was just absolute fire. Yeah. He was pacing for almost 400 PPR last yeah. year. I mean, he, that, he is, was second. that is insane. He was pacing for second yeah. before he went down. So it's incomplete. And so people forget that he's still actually good, but he is. So, yeah. And uh, what what's really what's really interesting? I mean, he had three thousand ninety four air yards thrown in half a season. <laughs> in half a season. In yep. half a season. I mean, that Maybe is wild. Matt, Matt so, Stafford. He'll, he'll okay. find a way to chuck it. So, so listen, happen. man. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make you put your money where your mouth is. If if Matthew Stafford's the best value there. Yes. Uh, in the sixth round, I mean, are, are you comfortable starting a, su- a super flex league with him as your QB one, or is he a value as a high end QB two there for you? <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, that's tough. I, I I think having Matthew Stafford as your QB one, you better hope that your QB twos in the in the next round. Otherwise, you're you're absolutely screwed. So I think it depends on the, the dynamic of the league. But if I can nab, you know, back to back. So you can get, uh, you know, Captain Kirk and Matt Stafford. That's probably the very back end uh, one two tandem that I'd be okay taking. Uh, but ideally, he's just, uh, you know, the value QB two that drops even even beyond that because people kind of forgot that he was actually incredible when he was when he was healthy last year. Sure. No, that, I think that's a great answer. I think a six seven turn of Stafford Cousins waiting. I mean, that's because your you know, top five that's, picks that's are great. money at that point. Like, I mean, yeah. 
you're you're set at, at the flex position unless you really really botch that. So so I, well, the, I don't mind mind taking that risk, especially in a, a league where they don't value quarterbacks as much. Yeah, and I think these guys are gonna. I mean, they're gonna have an opportunity with the Brady's and the Breeze going out. I mean, Stafford. I mean, he, he's he's basically like more productive Philip Rivers that just took forever to kind of get that level of respect. But in some ways, the careers are very similar too. I mean, just haven't had the postseason success compilers but with the weapons around him in Detroit I you know I think he could have a little bit of a uh, a renaissance career renaissance here in, yeah. in his 30s so that's gonna be interesting so hey same question TJ in the top six rounds who's your value value QB by current FFPC startup ADP? Well, it's easy to go to cousins and you were surprised just reading it but I, I'm gonna go in a different direction because I think cousins is just a little bit obvious here I'm gonna go with a guy who's shown Obvious overall QB1 upside, uh, that was actually prior to the Mahomes breakout, who was sandwiched in between the guy we were kind of laughing at being at ADP and Josh Allen and a 23-year-old that has not taken a snap in the NFL as a QB1. Oh, man. So Carson oh, Wentz man. is that guy. Uh, th- there's an element of safety there, and there's an element of ceiling, and he's just sitting there at an age where you're probably expecting another decade out of him at the quarterback position and is basically a surefire QB1, especially with an upgrade at wide receiver coming. Oh, man. I, I, I love uh, I love you picking him out of the stack there. I mean, Carson Wentz, QB7 last year with just garbage, just absolute flaming, floating garbage. <laughs> around him oh, in philly man. i mean uh, qb7 it, it, it was it was just it was all him i mean he had he had zach Ertz, and toward the end of the year you know he got some yak production out of miles sanders and boston scott i mean there was just nothing and uh you know it was really interesting once the team started giving sanders more touches here and this is without the wide receiver uh talent influx that they get this year right from deshaun jackson and whoever they draft but from week 13 to week 17, five straight QB1 weeks, uh, scored 20 or more points in all five of those weeks, and he crested 25 in three of those five. I mean, we're talking high-end production, and last year feels like, I mean, assuming health, obviously, and you could say assuming health for any player, last year feels like the floor for him moving forward. There's no way the team will have worse talent this year than they had last year. So, you know, I like that. He feels... He somehow feels like a risky pick at ADP. I mean, that's a that's a round mid round three, actually early round three. We're looking at an ADP of twenty seven even. Um, so I, I like it because I think he easily could have round two startup value next year. But it does it does feel a little risky uh, to grab him there. So what what makes you so sure? Um, like what what makes you comfortable? Is is it that the team context is going to improve, or you just like what you've seen? thus far or a little bit of all that or is there there something specific that has him as a target for you there tj it's mostly that he has had something outside of his control pick up consecutive seasons i believe three in a row now not four right so last year he's operating with greg ward as his number one receiver for half the year uh nelson aguilar has become a running meme for every resident of philly Las Vegas Raider, yeah. Las Vegas Raider, Nelson Aguilar for for a million bucks, for a million bucks. But yeah, you're you are you're right. There's been so the two seasons before this, he has the injuries, right? He plays 
11 games and 13 games. And then last year, he just has the, you know, the abysmal surrounding cast. So you're, you're right. It's been a while since we've seen a stable situation for him. And I mean, what last year was his fourth year. So, so three, out, three out of his four years, he's had, he's had a weird situation going on. Yep. And it, it is truly yet to fully come together. And he's already dropped that high-end QB1 season. Uh, unfortunately, lost to the ACL at the end. But that team won the Super Bowl. And if you watch Nick Foles play since then, it is just still mind-boggling how that happened. But, uh, yeah, there there were some people clamoring for Foles to start over Wentz if healthy. And that was just silly. I mean, let's just pause, take a break here. How many guys in the NFL, would you say, have a skill set better than Wentz, completely agnostic of situation? Well, let's see here. I'm just going to have to say the names. I'm going to have to, we're going to just have to, we're going to do the yeah. napkin mouth out loud here. So, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to get, I'm going to say that. Um, I'm going to say, you know, we've only got one season. Uh, I'm going to say I like Kyler Murray's skill set better. Uh, I like Russell Wilson's skill set better. Um, and then I'm going to start having some problems. I'm going to start having some problems because I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to make some concessions somewhere. And I think Wentz kind of belongs in whatever group comes next, whatever that looks like, he's there. So, I mean, I, I think you can start arguing for him like in the QB four to QB eight range in terms of overall talent. That's where I'd be. What about you, Travis? No, I think, I think that's, I think it really gets tough after the names you mentioned. I mean, obviously Lamar, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> it looks ridiculous, but um, is that just part of, I mean, you said agnostic of the, you know, situation and, and uh, you know, what they've just allowed him to do. Um, so yeah, it's really tough to name anybody else that I'd, I'd feel confident in. I think it'd be like Dak. It'd be for me, it'd be like Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz. I mean, I, I, I might, I might put Dak just, just above him. I think Dak's shown enough as a passer now, and he gives us a little bit more with the legs um, in terms of overall rushing and in terms of uh, success You know, near the goal line and getting those opportunities. The opportunities would be different if we're saying team situation aside. So I, I think I'd throw Dak in there before. So, I mean, you're talking about you know, maybe entering the picture at QB5. Is that about the range that you were thinking we'd answer to? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely correct. You said that four to eight, probably four to seven range. And Lamar is a great point, but he is obviously wholly buoyed by situation. Uh, you know, if he was asked to be a dropback passer somewhere else, well, you don't even have a QB2 at that point. So uh, situation obviously is a huge factor. But I don't think Wentz's is a bad one. It's going to improve. The arrow is just pointing straight up. So don't be afraid to buy Wentz. I know there's that little tingle of risk, feel, weird feeling. But go ahead and draft him. It's all Nelson, it's all Nelson Igor's fault, really. Right? I accept that. <laughs> it, everything's always his fault. <laughs> I think, you know what? I think, Travis, I think that's it's fair to suggest because we're going to find out in 2020. I mean, he's off the team. Yeah. And if, if Wentz is QB1 overall this year, we'll know. We will know it was because of Nelson Aguilar just waiting him down. Um, okay, so I, I want to answer this question, too. So we've, we've, got, uh, we've got Matthew Stafford. In the the mid sixth uh, that Travis has identified as a value as a high end QB two, I, I like that too. I would agree that that's preferable to getting him as a QB one. Um, TJ identified Carson Wentz in the early third round as his value play here. 
And um, for for me, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna go Dak in the second round. Now by ADP, he's early second. So I really like maybe if he. Sl- I don't know if I would I could take him at 14.9. If I can just say round two, I like Dak. I mean, he showed us he, consistently he can be a high end QB one in this league. Uh, we've got Amari Cooper locked up now. Um, he's got Michael Gallup there. I, I just like the collection of talent that he's got around him. I think he can win multiple ways. I think he's he's earned that respect, but we still aren't quite paying the Deshaun Watson price. And I like the surrounding cast better now for Dak Prescott. And he's significantly younger than Russell Wilson, but going to give us a, a similar type of fantasy upside. So, so I like getting the age discount there. If I got to say at exact ADP, uh, at exact ADP, I'm actually going to, I am going to take the cop out route that TJ avoided. And I'm going to say Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins at the the beginning Late late round six, beginning of round seven, I mean that's an absolute you know just fire use of of startup uh, draft capital there. So um, waiting a long time to get somebody who's probably going to continue to be a borderline QB one, QB two uh, for several more seasons. And to me, losing Stephon Diggs, it it doesn't hurt too much. I think the team's transitioning to using those two tight ends a little bit more. Adam Thielen, we know can win multiple ways, uh, and and assuming health for him. Uh, I think he's he's a wide receiver one this season. And the, the team's clearly going to add somebody in the draft. I mean, they let Laquan Treadwell go. They got rid of Stephon Diggs and, and the whining. And uh, I think there's going to be enough there for, for Kirk probably to battle for 28 to 30 touchdowns and something in the 4,200-yard passing range. So yeah. clear, clear going to be a, a, a producer there. Let's talk about these early career guys now, though. So I, I don't really care about the value and where they're going in the startups here. But let, it's more of a who do you believe in? Who who you think has the upside to invest? We, they're all going in the top six rounds, so I, I don't really care about that. But who do we see as maybe taking over the mantle as a mid QB one? And I want to talk about these first three year guys. We got two rookies, Joe Burrow, two Atagaviloa. We got two year two guys, Daniel Jones and Drew Locke, and two year three guys in Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. So Travis, out of that group of six. You got to take one as your QB one in a startup at ADP wherever they're at. Who are you taking uh, and why? I'm taking two of Tungabella. That's just my. I mean, I, I I understand the health concerns. I understand, um, you know, people worried uh, about him uh, coming back. But if he does come back healthy, uh, I think it's just funny how confident. Everyone turned so quickly and just was like, you know what? Joe Burrow is God's gift to football, and uh, he's clearly the better option, and there's just nothing even close. I mean, I, I really think – I mean, just a couple months ago, I was talking to some people that really do believe that it's just not close. And, and to me, that's just – personal, and personally, that's, that's laughable. Like, there was, there was no competition between the two in the other direction up until the injury. Uh, and then, of course, Joe Burrow went on his magical playoff run. Everybody watched the games, and it became clear that he was the safest option at the first overall pick, especially given the health. But prior to uh, the injury, uh, Tua had the better career. You know, Joe had a pretty lackluster, uh, you know, s- season before last, and and wasn't wasn't at all, you know, even in, in the day two discussion, uh, but put up ridiculous numbers with arguably the best wide receiver core in, in college football and had one of the best seasons ever, if not the best. But Tua Tungabailoa was a, a ridiculous profile. When you look at his 
adjusted yards per attempt and just but just about every passing stat he's he's like basically the the best passer like maybe ever in college football like outside of like maybe one or two games and so for me unless you're just assuming he's no longer alive and and he's no longer going to uh, there's just no way he's going to succeed the next level because of health no um, longer alive. I don't want to assume that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't want to. You're being loose with the lips. No, no, we're gonna, just, okay, yeah, I, seems... I definitely want my 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 startup uh, pick here. I, I would like him to be breathing. Uh, yes. I think that's if yeah. He's breathing, I think that's he's the, he's the best of this bunch. Okay, I, I like it, and I think I, it's a, it's a comparison I've heard many times at this point. Um, left-handed Russell Wilson, I think, is yeah, his range of outcomes for Tua for sure. I mean, it, you you can't. Player comps are dangerous, but I think that one is very appropriate. Then I've even heard people comp him a little bit to to a, a mobile version of Drew Brees. Absolutely, um, that, and, and that I think might that should be more accurate. I think that's fair too, and and so I, I can definitely see picking him out of this group. Um, of course, we've got that the, the little bit of a health concern, and we don't know the landing spot. We know the landing spot for four of the six guys, and so that's something we can actually solve for, and in and, and some ways makes him a little bit more of a risk averse. Uh, proposition in terms of taking them because we we know you know who that surrounding talent is um tj uh you also taken Tua here or do you have a different direction you're going to go it's burrow tagovailoa daniel jones drew Locke, baker mayfield sam darnold i've kind of got three correctish answers and three incorrectish answers and two is definitely one of the correct ones man uh the other two I like are Baker and Daniel Jones, and I'll opt for Baker as the top option. Uh, if nothing else, then the supporting cast is absolutely elite here. Uh, OBJ comes back healthy. Landry remains. Uh, Kareem Hunt remains, and Nick Chubb remains. He has a super high-end back on the field at all times, and now you're adding Austin Hooper on the field for every snap. Uh, th- there's just no downward trajectory for him in any iteration in my opinion so i'm gonna go with baker as the top overall option yeah cer- certainly he would have the the least number of excuses for failing in fantasy moving forward and and i think with kevin stefanski coming in we've seen what he's been able to do um using two high-end wide receivers even though you know we only have one uh season of sample size with him calling plays um, you know, he's been part of that Minnesota Vikings construct for years. I mean, he's been influencing what they've done on offense for a long time. And I, I think it's very fair uh, to say arrow up on the Cleveland offense. And obviously that's going to be good things for Baker. Um, Baker's not going to add with the legs as much as some of the other guys in the group. But in terms of if you're going to place a bet on somebody from this group throwing 30 touchdowns next year, I mean, he's got to be the odds on favorite. And so I, I have no problem with that. And if he does throw 30 touchdowns this year, I think we're going to see an ADP spike for him in 2021 because, you know, he's back solid considerably from where he was. You know, if we had this conversation last year, whatever the group of six was at that time, I mean, he's probably a universal answer as the number one uh, if we're doing this pot at that time. Whew, he was going QB2 at times last yeah. season. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So I, I, the three guys that you identified, I agree. I think it's those three guys. And so we've talked a little bit about Tua. We've talked a little bit about Baker. I want to do a sales pitch for Daniel Jones here. And I never thought I would be doing that, you know, a year ago, uh, but he's very impressive. I'm going to drop some stats that put him in some rare company. You know, you got to be careful with this type of analysis. I mean, there's, there's subjectivity to all of this, but he's ending up on some skinny lists that just, they give me pause. 
And and the Giants didn't have a great situation in that offense last year either. I mean, we had we had Alchi Saquon for a little bit. Uh, we had suspended Golden Tate at the the front half of the year that took a while to get going. And um, Evan Ingram, you know, not available consistently. And and now we get Jason Garrett. Okay, Jason Garrett became a laughing stock as a head coach because of the clapping and because of the Jerry Puppet stuff. Jason Garrett knows how to run an offense. Jason Garrett absolutely knows how to run an offense. Jason Garrett and Tony Romo, uh, you, you could argue that that that, that relationship uh, was considering where Romo came from and, and that pedigree. What they did together, now they didn't get the Super Bowl rings, but in terms of production and creating an offense, I mean, it's almost as impressive as what as Belichick and, and Brady were able to do. I mean, Jason Garrett and Tony Romo, absolute yeah. amazing Nasty pairing. Oh, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, th- that's why Joe Brady got, went out and got Jason Garrett. It's let, let's tutor this young quarterback. And, and Garrett did it again. He did it again with Dak Prescott. He's got a sample size of getting the most out of a young quarterback. And so I, I think we, we can't ignore that. And, and now let's listen to what Daniel Jones did as a rookie and, and some of these groups he landed in. Okay, so in, in NFL history, rookie quarterbacks with 3,000 passing yards and 24 or more passing touchdowns. Peyton Manning, Russell Wilson, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield. Okay, that's that's, <laughs> that's uh, okay. it, you get you get two surefire Hall of Famer and Super Bowl uh, winning quarterbacks, and then you get Mayfield and Jones. I mean that that's that's a good indicator for for both of those guys that we're talking about. Now here's another list: rookie quarterbacks with three thousand passing yards, twenty or more passing touchdowns, and two hundred fifty rushing yards. Okay, so some guys that are having the success with the arm and adding a little bit. With the legs, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, RG three, Robert Griffin the third, which you know, injuries derailed him. Nobody can argue that RG three wasn't an absolute stud early career. You know, as a, as a career that veered off path, um, absolute elite super flex option in his heyday. Andrew Luck, Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, Gardner Minshew. So there's three younger guys at the end of that. And uh, maybe we need to look a, a little bit closer at Gardner Minshew later on in drafts, but that's an absolute fire group of a top eight quarterback list. Now, this is the one, the, these last two stats, these are things that really are the things that have me in on Daniel Jones. Since the merger, so basically modern NFL era, only 12 different rookie quarterbacks have posted a single game line of 300 passing yards, three or more passing touchdowns, and no interceptions, okay? So that's that's the fantasy that's the fantasy line we want every week, right? Yeah. It, and it's the DraftKings bonus and whatever format everything. you play. Every, you you want everything. 300 passing yards three pa- <laughs> and, and three passing touchdowns. That's a great start. And no turnovers. Don't give me any negative points, guys. There's only been 12 players that have ever posted a line like that as a rookie. Okay, Daniel Jones did it three times last year. All of the other 11 guys who ever did it only did it one game. So in NFL history... Daniel Jones laps the field in terms of, of uh, fantasy production, uh, like single-game ceiling as a rookie. And then here's the last one. This is the stat that put Baker Mayfield up at QB2 after being a rookie. It, you know, he, he set a new record for passing touchdowns by a rookie. Uh, I think he did it in 13 games that year, uh, passing Peyton Manning's uh, previous record. Well, Daniel Jones threw the fourth most passing touchdowns by a rookie in NFL history, 24 uh, despite only getting 12 starts last year. And so I think you can easily make an argument that it, that if he play, I mean, if he plays the 13th game and you want to talk about touchdowns per game 
you know, he has one more of those three touchdown games. He, he ties what Baker did. But certainly if you play the whole season, Daniel Jones is the all-time record holder for rookie passing touchdowns. And, and you know, the, these are the types of stats that it makes it really difficult to have a downward view or a negative view on Daniel Jones when everything about his situation is going to improve in 2020 versus 2019. So, um, so you're it, saying it, is that Daniel Jones is going to be a Hall of Famer? Is what you're getting at? Well, I'm not saying that, Travis, <laughs> but I'm saying that I'm, I'm certainly saying that there, there's reason for optimism yeah. that Daniel Jones is a difference-making quarterback, um, and he has enough with the legs here to to be a real fantasy force, to be a, a, a real fantasy force. I mean. I th- it's certainly a range of possible outcomes that he's just the New York Giants version of Dak Prescott moving forward. I mean, he's going to have a similar coaching staff. He's going to have a, a good surrounding cast, a bell cow back, uh, a tight end to throw it to, and Evan Ingram that is cert- certainly similar uh, safety valve uh, to Jason Witten uh, that yeah. Tony Romo had as he was uh, cutting his teeth. So I-, I think the takeaway that I would want everyone to, th- to think about here is when you're looking at, at Dynasty Superflex Startup ADP, and you see Daniel Jones at QB 12, you know, if you want to chuckle to yourself, that's fine. But then actually look at what the player's done and, and what the player's going after him, what their outlook outlook looks like. So we've got Jared Goff, uh, who actually, if, if every interception would have been caught last year, he would have led the league in interceptions. Um, probably would have had about 40 interceptions. I, and that, I mean, that's not, I, I'm not exaggerating. He literally threw at least 40 interceptions if the, the other team hangs onto the ball. You got Matt Ryan at the end of his career, Aaron Rodgers at the end of his career, and also who is really not a fantasy asset at this point. I mean, is anyone making more money uh, or preserving more value just on name brand than Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's not an asset anymore, even in Superflex. You got Sam no Darnold. ever. <clears throat> yeah, maybe no one ever. Sure, it's been, t- been 10 years since, since we really wanted to own Aaron Rodgers probably in fantasy and his QB1 upside. Sam Darnold, Matthew Stafford, uh, upside but old Jimmy Grapple. I mean Daniel Jones feels like the end of the tier in Superflex startups that has top five QB upside uh, for multiple seasons moving forward. Uh, other than the rookies, obviously, um, or guys that are just absolute you know hail marys later on in drafts. I mean, I I, I really like Daniel Jones as a, a high upside QB two. Yeah. But I'm, I'm actually comfortable. I mean, if you're going to build a young team and even maybe go for a punt in year one, I'm super comfortable leaving a startup with Daniel Jones as my QB1. That's, that's where I'm at today. You know, I, I know there's a range. There's a spectrum he's going to perform on. There's a spectrum that his ADP could fall on for next year. There's enough positives here that I feel confident. Are either of you guys comfortable with him as your QB1 leaving a startup? Oh, man. Yeah. I don't think I am. I I think I I would love to. He's the kind of guy that I like to. If he drops at all, like, and I'm taking like two quarterbacks at the the four or five turn, I'd take you know him right next to Matt Ryan and feel great about it. But if I'm like taking him, you know, in the middle of round four, uh, something like that, uh, and I would not probably be targeting him as my QB one. Although you laid out a really nice argument for it, I I just I, I don't see, um the trajectory that that uh that that just bounces him up necessarily but i i just i'm not sure he holds it but uh 
but yeah, it, I just, I'm not all the way there yet. Sorry. <laughs> no, no apologies needed, man. I mean, you're going to build your team the way you're going to build your team. I mean, I just, yeah, I'm just asking the question. People need to understand where all three of us are. So Travis says, Travis says not quite yet. You need to see a little bit more. That's fine. TJ, you comfortable? QB1, Daniel Jones? Yeah, I'm comfortable. And it has less to do with Jones than it does with the field. I mean, we talked about Josh Allen's mm-hmm. a top seven quarterback. Two current QB1s have never taken a snap. Uh, we at least know the situation <laughs> here. So. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to be pulling that one. Uh, I'm pulling that snippet there for Twitter. Two QB1s have never taken a snap. That tells you everything you need. That tells us what the community thinks of these guys, of, of the veterans. I mean, the, the, val- the value drop-off has occurred for all the guys we talked about as super flex studs in uh, years of fantasy yore. I mean... Uh, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins. I mean, Taps is playing on their value for sure. So, all right, two out of three say Daniel Daniel Jones QB one in a, a dynasty startup um, is is reasonable. Travis says I need to see more. I think that's fair. We're gonna hit him. We're gonna hit a, a read here, Travis, from our sponsor yeah. for the episode. But then we're gonna veer uh because i, I don't know if the mother. people have i don't know if the people have the appetite for a 4 hour pod today we spent 40 48 minutes <laughs> no? on quarterbacks yeah I, I mean we could probably hey, talk another 2 hours about quarterbacks it's superflex it's superflex it, so it's you know it, it's it's important when you're talking about superflex and and quarterbacks matter in fantasy football so i think it's it's good to talk about those kinds of players but with currently no nba nhl or college basketball you might think there's nothing to bet on well, you'd be wrong. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts and esports is on the rise. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. So be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online. Your new ticket to online action. Hey, fun fact, guys. The script of the Spelling Bee, of course. The script's Howard. Spelling Bee, one of the most compelling sporting <laughs> events uh, in the entertainment industry every it. single year. All right, yours truly. Yours truly, sixth in the state uh, in, in, in fifth grade in the state of Ohio. Wow. Uh, so in the Spelling Bee. So and, and I was eliminated on, on a challenge. I actually had a word in my head that I thought I was going to be asked. I knew it was a, it was a struggle word. I don't remember the word at this point. It started with an L. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to get this word. I've got the letter L in my head. They read my word, and I say, L, wait. <laughs> and then I spell the word correctly that they give me. But technically. And, but, but, but you can't. Once you've said no. a letter, you can't take it off the board. I mean, you've got to have rules. We've got to have rules in society. We've got to have rules. We've got to have rules yeah. in our fantasy league. I mean, Look, it can't be chaos. You know, we, we know people who love chaos and, and I get it. I get it. They, they eliminated me, but I maintain to this day um, that, I, that I'm going to win that thing. I'm thinking I'm going to win that thing. I'm going to give the steely eyed glare <laughs> um, to the other kids around me. And, and that that competition was mine. But I think it probably it set my life down a different path. I mean, you, if you win the Scripps Howard National Spelling Bee, I mean, it, there's only a certain amount of like futures that are probably uh in front of you i, I feel you know, like you're gonna go to a certain school you're gonna have a certain social circle <laughs> yeah. i mean i could have i could have potentially uh who, who knows who, who knows I, I might not be sitting here 
on the Dynasty Command Center <laughs> podcast uh, who, if that competition that? goes differently. Who would want so, that? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm still mad. I had yeah. money on you too. Did you, did you throw that on purpose? Well, I, th- I think the takeaway, I, Travis, here is like, <laughs> look, I didn't win the competition that day. <laughs> But because I didn't win the competition, all of our listeners have won clearly because I mean they, they get to listen to these takes. So, I guess so. I guess yeah, so. that's that. You know, I didn't win, but but uh, the community wins. I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So all right. So we're we're actually we're not going to hit the other positions today. We're obviously going to have to do a part two here. But I, but I promised I promised our followers that we were going to answer some super flex startup questions, and so I'm going to pick out a couple of my favorites that have dropped. Uh, get these guys a mention. Um, and, and I'm just going to kind of alternate back and forth between sure. the two of you. We're not going to, we're not going to allow both of you to answer. I'm going to put one of you on the spot and know that your answer oh is going to influence what they do in their startup. So there is weight. You have weight to your Uh-oh. words here. Do not take this exercise lightly. Okay. First question is, uh, first question is going to go to TJ and it's from Matt Gajewski. And the question is, uh, should someone trade all of their current assets for eight 2021 first rounders? Well, I think it's quite doable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, so that so that's uh, that's tongue in cheek. So Matt Matt, uh, of course, uh, from Roto Grinders, he's in the startup that TJ at and I are in right now. And and I think TJ does have he might have eight twenty twenty one first rounders because of the strategies he's using the draft. We're going to talk about trade strategies um, and practical application stuff in, in part two of this pod. Um, but yeah, that was tongue in cheek. We're starting off with a softball there. Um, Travis, this one's for you. This is from Crossroads Fantasy Football. It's at Crossroads FFP. And uh, here's a question. What are we supposed to do with the in-betweeners at running back? Guys, that could have immense value if they survive the draft or turn into garbage. So we're talking about like the Ronald Jones, the Marlon Mack, the James Conner. Are these guys a great deal or are you overpaying if you take them now? Man, I think a lot of people that are holding on to those type of backs are, are just asking. They're waiting for someone. Please, someone, please take this guy off my hand. Someone, please bite on this player. Um, and I think you can actually, in many cases, lowball, even if they originally believed in a player like that. Uh, I think general consensus is that guys like Rojo are probably going to be replaced. Uh, and, and they're probably not going to be the starter. And that's probably the best bet. But I think it's all it's all about the price uh, because I think a Rojo, you know, maybe a, a late second uh, type uh, value at this point in some people's minds uh, at, at best in some people's minds because they're, they're just so sold on him not being there. So I think if you can get him for a, a late second or something weird like that, uh, just because everyone thinks he's going to be gone, the owner, you know, maybe he got him as a part of a package doesn't believe I think going fishing for somebody like that, that if he does get the job, uh, then then obviously he's instantly a flex for you uh, and he can bring some value at some point. But if he loses the job, his value goes next to nothing, maybe a, a third round pick. So I think if you think about the investment price and, and, the, and the worst case scenario for somebody like that, uh, it can be worth going fishing for it because – I think if you try to sell him, if you're the owner of that player, trying to sell him and getting much more than that is, is going to be tough. So I think he's worth more on your roster if you own him. And he's worth taking a look at just how cheap you can go get him for if he's automatically a flex just because he survived the onslaught of the incoming class. So um, sorry if that's not the advice you want, wanted to hear. It's not super sexy. Just hoping that he survives. <laughs> but Travis, we don't we don't apologize for our takes. We spit we spit truth, and then <laughs> no, the okay. people adjust. Yeah, no okay. Apologies. We don't we don't we don't say this sorry. 
We don't say sorry. Dynasty cross, Crossroads <laughs> Fantasy Footballers. They just they just want to know what Travis May thinks. Well, that's they, what I think. they don't want you to apologize for He's what you what you think. More value on your roster than you're going to get him in a trade. I, I think I think you're cheap. I think you're spot on. Uh, I think you're spot on with the Ronald Jones take there. And you talked a little bit about you know maybe going out and buying or selling these players. I'm going to pivot this. Uh, we're talking startups. So TJ, here's the ADP of those three guys, and I, I, th- I think it's fair to look at these three guys. I mean, um, with the same through the same lens, um, different production histories for all three. Obviously, James Conner has done much more than the other the other two. But here's the here's a current ADP: Marlon Mack, fifty seven point two, James Conner, fifty nine point four, essentially going to the same spot in drafts. Ronald Jones, a hundred point eight. So of the three, yeah. Ron- Ronald Jones is the target in a startup, right? Absolutely. TJ, what about you? Not for me, man. Uh, I think he's kind of deep. You're going Connor. You're going Connor here? Well, I, I think uh, there's – you can't just say 1v1 in a vacuum. I guess if you are, I'm going Connor. Dealing play with a high range of outcomes. You could He could be a zero by this time next year. But Marlon Mack will not be yeah. that. He's a game script dependent, but okay. high floor player. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You're good. Uh, you're good. I think what what we want to give this guy here, what we want to give him. Okay, so we've said we don't really feel comfortable with a certain range of outcomes for any of these guys. I mean, these all these guys are low floor. I think all of them hypothetically could be challenged by a day two running back uh, in 2020. I think that's fair to say. Uh, all three of those teams, the the Colts, the Steelers, and the Bucks, could be looking for additional help. Um, Connor's the only well-rounded back in terms of skill set here. But we've got an injury history. I think we've got him going into the final year of his deal. Um, could lose a lot of value over the course of the season. So Travis says if we can buy him cheap, that's fine. TJ doesn't really sound like he likes any of them at current ADP. And I, I think I think that's where we're going. I think that's I, I was, the answer we want to give. Yeah. The, the question is, is, what do we do with these tweeners? You're either going to get a great deal or you overpay. Um, and, and I think I'm hearing us say that we just rather go different spots than any of these three guys in a startup. That's fair. Yeah. That's probably the, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So crossroads fantasy football, uh, there's your answer on that one. I'm gonna go back to, to Travis here. I actually want all three of us to answer this expected value. What should it take to move up to the startup 101 from a mid startup first? So let's just, let's put a number on it from the 106 to the 101. What should you have to pay? I mean, you absolutely have to kind of think of it as in where do you where do you see the players actually going? Of like what what the value is of those, you know, third round, fourth round picks that the the one point oh one is going to be asking for. Uh, I think uh, in in super flex leagues that that might change some things, but I mean, in many cases, you're going to have to give up your your fourth or something like that uh, just to move up five slots, if not more than that. Um, that that's probably where I, I don't really like losing a lot of value and moving up, uh, but you're at least shedding your fourth round pick just straight up plus something else probably uh, just to move five slots. So that really hurts the depth early on. But uh, if you can do it for a fourth plus something else, cool. But if you're trading away like your third round pick or something crazy just to move up five slots, that's a that's a no go uh, immediately for me. So just for context, before we get TJ's answer here. So if we're going to trade, that'd be like four oh seven if you own the own the six here, uh, in 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 round one. Four oh seven typically is going to price out like a top four current year rookie 
just to give you guys an idea. So yeah. you're you're talking about if you want to put names to the players, you're talking about trading something like Alvin Kamara and Jerry Judy. Yeah. Um to move up to the 101. Something something like that. I mean, you can change names around. There's players in each range, but that's yeah. that's something like what you're probably paying. And um, it's probably so, a little bit more than that even. Like can maybe it could another be. throw yeah, in. It could be. In many cases. And and in every start, here's the thing though, in every startup, there's a guy who wants to trade up to the 101. Maybe not from the 106, oh, yeah. <laughs> but there's always a guy who wants the 101. Uh, they want to leave. They want to leave with the sex appeal for sure. TJ, what should you have to pay to move from the 106 to the 101? I think Travis is pretty on point talking about the fourth round startup uh, yeah. as pure the pure value movement uh, standpoint. If I'm sitting at 101, I'm going to want something like that. Or if you're going to give me a future year first round pick, we can move that back around, you know, startup fifth. Or if you want to give me both years, we can even move that down to startup sixth or seventh round pick, and I'd be happy to move. So that's a very realistic buying range. Yeah, and I think I think the thing to keep in mind there with the future first, I mean, it, it might seem counterintuitive at first that I'm going to give this other owner the 101, and then I'm going to say his his trade target or his his future pick is desirable, but you're also taking you're taking some of the meat out of his roster by grabbing a top 50 asset out of his hand, um, and so you know there, there's a there's a range that that can fall on too. I mean, if you take CMC. And there's there's an injury, or the new offense doesn't work for him, or all of a sudden he's a seventy target guy instead of a hundred and twenty target guy. I mean, th- there's there's room in CMC's evaluation to say that he you know he doesn't lap the field at the position again this year for sure. And so that can that can end up playing out for you. So I, I really like the idea, maybe even more so than than taking the fourth, is taking the fifth and that future and that future first. So like the, the 106, the fifth round pick and a, and a future first, even if it's two years out, you could really end up making some money and you're still get a great player at 106. It's not like you're leaving the first round without an asset here. So uh, love both of those suggestions from you guys. I, I don't really know that I would add, add much. I think those are all options to consider. If I'm, if I'm at the 101 and wanting to trade back, I like TJ's suggestion there. Let's move on to some player takes here. Uh, this is from um, Tubaka. And it's Tubaka underscore at Tubaka underscore. Should we be valuing Calvin Ridley, Debo Samuel, and DK Metcalf over Stefan Diggs? Um, I'm going to answer this one first. And yes, for me, I would take all three of those guys over Diggs in Buffalo. It's not an indictment on Diggs' talent. Um, and I actually think Diggs could produce uh, with Josh Allen about like he did last year. I mean, I think I think that's reasonable. But I think the deep ball accuracy. Um, the, the way Buffalo wants to win, um, probably. And then also the presence of John Brown taking some of those similar types of targets that Diggs is, is so good at. Um, I, I think there's, there's just noise in the evaluation. I think Diggs, we talk about guys who have been overvalued as name brands. Um, Diggs had the really promising rookie season. And it's not that he hasn't been a valuable fantasy asset, but really, other than other than the year where him and Thielen basically flipped roles and Diggs became the possession receiver, he hasn't really given us that the true fantasy upside. I mean, you're paying we've been paying top three startup round prices for a guy that produces like players like, you know, Robert Woods, uh, or even less than Robert Woods, who's avail- available much later. So um Stefan Diggs, I think now will probably be priced accurately 
moving forward, but I'm arrow up on all those other guys that were mentioned. So would you take Diggs over any of these three players, TJ, Ridley, Debo, or Metcalf? No, and I don't think he's even close to being in a tier with them at this point. Okay. Okay, Travis, same question. I think he's just barely above this, though. Um, I'm not as high on Debo. I'm not uh, necessarily as high on on Ridley's ceiling. Uh, But DK Metcalf, I think, is is right there uh, near him. Uh, Just mainly because we talked about this just last week, TJ. I mean, I don't think that there's many positive outcomes uh, above Stefan Diggs' last year value uh, in, in Buffalo. I mean... Just to reiterate, I mean, I was on a pod just this week kind of talking about this as well. Uh, I mean, I know that there's some people that believe he can show up and instantly just grab 120-plus targets, uh, and that's how many he'd need from from Josh Allen to exceed what he did last year. But, but frankly, there's just not enough uh, to go around unless unless they just completely bench uh, Cole Beasley or, or completely replace John, John Brown's role and then add more somehow magically to digs. There's just not very many high upside uh, outcomes for, for digs. Obviously he's going to have some big splash weeks, probably four or five weeks where you're like, man, he just won me my week. And then the rest of the season, he's going to be frustrating and you're not going to want to start him. And that's, that's who he's been. Uh, And that's going to be who he is even more. So playing for Buffalo and in their, you know, bottom quartile pass attempt offense. So uh, I can't get excited about him. So I think DK Metcalf, if I was in a startup, I would probably be waiting, letting somebody else take digs and going after Metcalf. Yeah, man. It's a- kind of undersold that digs has been a boomer bust player where you're getting 55 to 60% of production in three to four games where if you're clicking start on him, most weeks he is a huge net negative in your lineup. Yeah, Diggs is like an ideal wide receiver three on my yeah. team, but he's been priced as a back-end wide receiver one for several years. And I think that's that's the takeaway. I mean, I, I need more, either more consistency or uh, I need another two boom games per year um, in order to feel good about that. Let's Okay, this isn't a question. This is just um, some praise. Um, I, I mean, we're going we're gonna to take a victory lap and we can get it. This is from Tyler Buecher course of uh, fancy guru he just says why are you and he's talking to me why are you and tj so damn good at trading back and startups <laughs> um uh we're just gonna let that just let that simmer um appreciate the comment tyler wasn't even a humble brag you're just just straight up bragging <laughs> oh i'm i'm not bragging i mean somebody else said this travis okay okay this this, this is firsthand experience hot that's fine <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I'm going to read the comments from the from the listeners. I mean, they they took the fair. time to type out the question. Okay. I'm going to respond to it. Okay, that's fair. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay. Here. So here's here's a question, and and we're going to paint on a layer of tight end premium. We're going to end on this. We haven't talked about tight ends here, but a very common startup format, obviously, when you click superflex on league settings is also going with the tight end premium. We're not going to drive value of quarterbacks up and then not do the same for tight ends. Um, and so I think this is a, a fantastic question, and I'm really intrigued um, by the three players mentioned here. Uh, this is also from uh, at Tubaca underscore. So getting a little feature here for some good questions. Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, and TJ Hawkinson. Order by preference. And he doesn't say by ADP. Um, 
So I, I won't, I won't nail you down. So just on your own perception of their value, um, and their production, uh, ahead, who do you prefer? We'll start with TJ this time. Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, TJ Hawkinson. Okay. Uh, Hunter Henry is going to be at the top of the list, uh, of the two guys between him and Ingram that have extensive in injury histories early in their career. He's a guy I trust a little bit more. There are reports that Ingram's own team does not even trust him anymore. And also probably the cheapest of the three. Hawkinson, I'm completely out on. He was, his value has been buoyed by the schedule makers in year one. They drew Arizona week one. He had a monster game. After that point, he had one game with more than four catches. That was six for 18 yards. He had one game over 32 yards, one total touchdown for the remainder of the entire season. Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are still the focal point of that offense. I am selling Hawkinson hard. How about you, Travis? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I think he he like many tight end you know tight ends taken early uh, their value uh, in terms of trade and value and where they go in startups was just really always too high. Uh, just even in, in tight end premium. I think that those those types of players are reached for more often than not. Uh, and so between these three, uh, Hawkinson it definitely brings up the rear. Uh, Hunter Henry, uh, I don't know what the future uh, holds for him there, uh, really with with uh, the, the quarterback changing and things like that. Uh, so I think I'm going to have to go with Evan Ingram between the three. And really, again, just kind of like how we, we talked about Matthew Stafford being forgotten just because he had an incomplete season – Last year, Evan Ingram had five tight end one weeks out of his eight games that he was in. There was only one game where he wasn't at least a tight end two. So uh, as, as in terms of a safe floor, if he is, I mean, TJ, if, if they do give up on Ingram and he's not there for, you know, a second a second contract or, or something like that, I think there's definitely some concern. But in terms of his overall like opportunity rating, uh, he's, he's definitely a mid-tier tight end one. And really by looking at his opportunity last year, he underperformed even in the games where he was a tight end one by, he he didn't, he didn't see that the max like touchdowns that you'd like to see at at his like targets per game. Uh, He could, his, his ceiling has probably not been reached in a couple years, Uh, but I think he could easily bounce back given that he's definitely by the targets, by the, by the opportunity in that offense uh, and given, uh, you know, Curtis's positive Daniel Jones outlook, <laughs> uh, Evan Ingram uh, is arrows up for me just because he's cheaper now than he may yeah, man, has Ingram ever been. Yeah, Ingram is still point per game sure, uh, so- top player. He's going to point per game top player. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, I think the key here is we're saying tight end premium. If this wasn't tight end premium, um, I would be a lot more interested probably in TJ's pick of Hunter Henry here because the, the touchdowns are just going to matter that much yeah. more. Um, and, and we know, I mean, we know, I mean, Hunter Henry in, in a lot of receiving metrics has always showed up positively. Um, but you know, we know he's a, he's a touchdown force for sure. Um, I, I think one year with, with Tyrod potentially starting a majority of games doesn't really bother me. I mean, tight ends can have a nice plateau, uh, in their late twenties where they're really producing for four or five years and even into their early thirties, if they've got the right skill set. And I think Hunter Henry probably does, but I'm going Evan Ingram because of the settings here. We're saying tight end premium. 
Um, he he's the only guy on this list that it's range of outcomes that he can lead his team in targets for sure. Even last year in the injury riddled season, he's tied in seven and PPR per game. And and I really just want to draw some more parallels and talk just for a moment here about Jason Garrett and his role in the offense coming forward. I mean, everything about what Jason Garrett's about ready to do with the Giants, there's just so many parallels um, to when he took over for the Cowboys offense. I mean, this seems like eons ago, but when Jason Garrett took over the Cowboys offense, Jason Witten was 25. He, Evan Ingram's 25. We were talking about a young Tony Romo and a young Jason Witten. That's how long ago this was. But now we got we got another young upstart quarterback. We got a young tight end who basically, when healthy, has shown he's a stud. And I think Garrett's influence, um, having had so much success in his career building legitimate NFL offenses with the tight end never being lower in the pecking order than number two for targets. I mean, it was basically Jason Witten and Des Bryant, Miles Austin for a little bit. I mean, Jason Witten had some really good receiving options around him, and yet the Cowboys continued to feature him in the offense. And so, you know, I, I agree with TJ. There's room for some downside in the eval because the, you know, uh, I'm not sure that how high Gettleman really is on Ingram at this point, and we can't control if Gettleman wants to move him. Um, but if Evan Ingram's in the offense and Jason Garrett's calling the offense, I, I mean, I, I feel pretty confident that he's going to smash this year. Um, and we've got an aging Travis Kelsey. We've got an aging Zach Ertz. I, I could certainly see Evan Ingram re-entering like the top two to three tight end in an uh, in ADP conversation by the middle of 2020 if things go the way that they think I'm going to go or that I think they're going to go. So um, something to like, I think we all feel a little comfortable with Hunter Henry or Evan Ingram here, but in tight end premium to answer the question by the listener, looks like uh, two votes to one for Ingram. And if we're going to order them, then that means it's Ingram, Hunter Henry, and TJ Hawkinson in yeah. third. Yeah. All righty. So, guys, great takes today. I think we gave the listeners some um, awesome things that they can practically apply in startups from talking about player value at the, at the top of the draft, really getting into the value spots for quarterback as well as some upside plays. We answered some mailbag questions. I think that might be the first time we've ever even done that. So that's a little bonus for the listeners here. But um, we're going to definitely be back. We're probably going to need two more episodes to hit this startup stuff. I'd like to get in um, to the other positions. And then I also think that we need to do an auction strategy uh, podcast. And I, it could be a little abstract at times, but we get a lot of questions for that. We want to give you what you're asking for. I um, want to thank Travis and TJ for their takes today, for coming back on the pod. Uh, Travis, take it home, man. The sign-off is always yours. Uh, glad to do it. I, I'm just uh, always thankful for TJ hopping on. It's been a blast just couple weeks just diving through so many players and and just uh startups and it's startup season uh so i can't wait to dive into that even more but yeah be looking for some Devi content for me here soon and definitely check out the dcc rookie guide and second edition did just come out uh here recently excited about that 40 pages of awesome goodness uh coming at you there but uh we are going to be talking about some Devi stuff too so if you're into college football be looking forward to that here on some upcoming podcasts But uh, TJ, Curtis, thanks again. And everyone for listening. Until next time, keep living that dynasty life.